0: The goal of this podcast is to give that back to you to start building the exact body and life that you know you're capable of. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Alex, what's going on, brother?
1: Not a whole lot. How was your Thanksgiving?
0: It was good, man. We traveled up to um, to Idaho, where I'm originally from, obviously, and spent it up there, so it was cold, but we had a good time. We went and had it at my uncle's house, which I don't get to see all of that family very often because I live all the way on the southern end of Utah, and I'm from the most southern end of Idaho. So essentially, you travel the whole state of Utah to to get to my little hometown, which is like literally three to five minutes across the, the Utah border onto the Idaho side. So just getting to get up there and hang out with all of those guys was a lot of fun. And what's, what's even more fun for me, honestly, going back home is I used to own a gym up there back in the day. And I sold it when we moved down here to St. George, but just getting to go back and visit that place and see all of the old members and talk with everybody and like the nostalgia that I have for, for that place. Cause I was kind of the one who just created it from scratch. You know what I mean? Like it was nothing. And I turned it into something and to see that thriving up there and just to get to go up and talk with all of the members and have conversations and kind of relive the old glory days, so to speak um, is a lot of fun. So, so yeah, man, we really enjoyed it. We just got back a few days ago. What's today? Wednesday We So we got back on Sunday. So we were gone for like a week, just getting back home, kind of getting back into the swing of everything, but how was yours?
1: It was good. Mine did not include any travel. Um, but my Thanksgiving is set up pretty similarly to yours to where we on Thanksgiving, we typically see family that we haven't seen in a while. So my My grandma and her brother take turns hosting. And so this is actually the first year I wasn't able to like fully make it because the times get flip-flopped. Basically, like long story short is my grandma's Thanksgiving is always done earlier in the day. My grandma's brother's Thanksgiving when he hosts, they do it in the evening. And so my girlfriend's family also has their Thanksgiving in the evening. So we weren't able to make my grandma's brothers go when my grandma hosts next year then I can you know I can make both because it's like morning evening but it's just kind of a clash of schedules between like how can I fit in like seeing all the people that I want to see on Thanksgiving and sometimes just just a little tough kind of splitting up that time you know going back and forth so good but busy.
0: Yeah, especially when you have significant others, right? It makes it so much more challenging. For I'm kind of spoiled in that way. My so it's kind of a funny story. My in-laws and my mom and my stepdad literally in our hometown, they live out in the country. So like five, 10 minutes outside of town, but they literally live right across the street from each other.
1: Gotcha. So
0: like we go home and we see everybody the whole time and we go back and forth, and like the in-laws come over for dinner, or my parents go over for dinner, like. It makes it way easier. So like on Christmases and Thanksgivings, everybody, like the in-laws and my parents kind of end up, we didn't do it this year, but generally they all end up together. So like there's not as big of a clash, which is which is kind of nice. But yeah.
1: Yeah, I would say I was thinking forward to like the next holidays and kind of like, who am I going to be seeing? Where are we going to be going? And then I realized both Christmas and Easter, I'll be traveling. So I really won't be seeing a lot of the family that I only see like maybe two, three times a year, I likely won't be seeing them until Thanksgiving up like next year, just because there's not a whole lot of holidays kind of in between. We do occasional like swim parties and stuff. I'm um, at my aunts and uncles who it's, you know, they have a swimming pool in the back. So they have the family over and all that. Um, And we call that like swim Sundays versus kind of a get together. Everyone kind of helps, you know, chip in, you know, they bring some food, they grill, they order and kind of whatever, but yeah, I will be gone for the next two holidays, which is kind of... It's weird to think about, but...
0: Where are you going for Christmas? Is that when you guys are going on your your Mexico vacation? That
1: Yeah, that's the Mexico one. So you and do it Eastern. over,
0: actually like over Christmas. Yeah,
1: so the, the 22nd through the 27th. So we did that for the first time, I want to say two, three years ago. And then we went back to like doing this regular Christmas. And then we were like, no we like Christmas in Mexico much better. And the major thing is like when we were like younger and we all kind of get presents and stuff, like it was, it was okay, but it's to the point now to where we just all kind of just buy our own presents anyway. So Christmas kind of turned into like, Oh, what do you want? And it's like, Oh, here I'll order this and you just pay me back. And it's just like, we're all to the point now to where like, if we want something like we're just going to kind of buy it. And so instead of like buying these presents that we, you know, probably weren't, gonna buy at that time we just put that money towards a nice trip and that's kind of our new way of celebrating Christmas
0: nice we talked about on the podcast beforehand but my my family's doing the exact same this thing this year we're going to Puerto Vallarta we're not going until February so Christmas will be obviously lighter which is a good thing but we're all definitely looking forward to to going on the trip but how about how is your training through like the holidays and stuff. I know, so like with clients and stuff this last week, obviously Thanksgiving, right? And that's sometimes a stressor for them. Like, oh man, how do I navigate the holidays? How do I how do I stay on track? And I'm just curious for you personally, like what does, what does the week of Thanksgiving look like, like with nutrition and like, how do you handle it? And what does training change? Do you take a break from it because you're busy and stressed with everything going on? Or like, is it just business as usual? Like what is your mindset going into that? I think that will be a help for people because especially we have Christmas coming up here soon too right. To where it's going to be another time with lots of family. You're not totally in control of your environment when it comes to food. Um, so yeah, I'd love to hear just your thoughts on like how, how you navigate that. If there's any situations like with clients that you ran into that you had any like specific tips on that with, or something, anything that's unique or anything like that.
1: So I'm actually kind of in a unique position and a lot of the listeners might kind of be like what like is he crazy but I actually don't really enjoy Thanksgiving food all that much so as far Me as either. like <laughs> as far as like eating I actually leave Thanksgiving dinner or I guess kind of breakfast depending on or like lunch kind of whenever we end up hosting it but I actually leave there hungrier than I would leave just like a typical, like lunch at home. So like my lunch or like second breakfast, for those of you who haven't caught on is always five eggs with a bagel or a buttered bagel. And I've added in a glass of kefir or kefir, however you spell it. It's like a thick yogurty type consistency, but it's kind of full of probiotics and stuff. So, you know, really good for overall gut health and just helps me ha- helps me pack in some extra calories. But yeah, I mean like that lunch, I would actually take over like a Thanksgiving dinner. So like the food part of it isn't really all that hard for me because like I eat the turkey, which I would honestly prefer ham, but even like ham isn't all that great to me. So that's not an issue. And then I have the corn and I have the dinner rolls. So it's not, I I don't really consider it like a Thanksgiving meal per se, but as far as like, how do I kind of handle it? How do I structure it? Like, what are my thoughts kind of coming in? And how do I have clients handle it? For me, I don't really think of it much differently than any other week. I really just kind of understand, and I go in with the mindset of, at least for my family, like we celebrate Thanksgiving on one day. There are still six other days of the week to come in and nail my training, you know, nail my nutrition. And this may be different if you're like traveling out of town and stuff at family's house, kind of visiting, we don't have full control. Um, but that's kind of what I do myself personally. I just kind of know, okay, Thanksgiving, you know, we have a lunch, we have a Thanksgiving dinner. So like those meals, like I'm not making anything, I'm not preparing anything. So like, what is it that I do have control of? Well, I have control of like what actually gets put on my plate and I have control of like what my portion sizes are. So when I do out to eat a meal that's a bit more loose or I'm not like as knowledgeable about. What I'm going to do is just make sure that like, okay, is there a good sized piece of protein on my plate? Am I putting on, you know, like a veggie or something, or like, if there's not a whole lot of healthy options, like with Thanksgiving, there may not be a ton of healthy options. Maybe you just say, okay, I'm going to stick with one plate. I'm not going to go back for seconds. I'm going to have a small, you know, piece of dessert, you know, grab whatever I want, but it has to kind of fit on this plate. And then everything else around that day, some gyms are closed. Some gyms aren't. Um luckily, my gym is like a twenty four hour kind of pass gym to where you can kind of scan the key card and go in. So I actually love starting my Thanksgiving like with a workout. So outside of like knowing that it was Thanksgiving, it really wasn't all that different than like a normal week if that makes sense. But like I know my situation, my situation's probably a lot different than like from yours, for example, to where you travel to, family's house. You're not the one cooking the meals, making the meals. So like for you, when you do travel and you do kind of go and you're not as, I guess, kind of in control of your environment or kind of what's available, how do you handle your meals and kind of your training nutrition and all of that?
0: Yeah. First and foremost, I don't stress it, right? Like I don't go into the situation worrying. And I think that that is, One of the biggest issues that people have is they put way too much importance on one week. You know what I mean? Just in regards to like, oh man, like I've been putting in all of this work for, let's say the last few months or whatever it may be. And now I'm going into a a position to where I don't have complete control of my environment. I don't have complete control of food. Maybe I'm not able to get to the the gym quite as often. And I was just having this conversation with a client yesterday on the phone as, as we were chatting, because she's been struggling a little bit. She struggled through Thanksgiving because she felt like she couldn't be right on track with what she was doing. So she just basically didn't give any sort of effort because she didn't feel like she could give enough effort that was going to allow her to continue to see progress and be within like that 90 to 95% consistency rating. So she's like, oh, whatever. I'll just, I'll say, screw it. And then at the end of the week, then she's unmotivated. And it's like, she's got this heel to climb back up and this progress that she's got to remake that makes her feel like she's kind of spinning her wheels a little bit. And it just keeps people stuck because they're in this all, all, all in or all out mentality that is just not the a realistic way to be able to achieve results in the long term or more importantly, be able to sustain those results. So for myself, like going into the week, first and foremost, I know there are certain things that I can tr- can can control, and that is like the snacking right? Like when you're in an environment where like, you're not super in control of the foods that you're eating at at each meal and, and things like that. I am fortunate because my mom's super into fitness. She's the reason that I got into fitness back like in high school. And she's who I partnered on the gym with. And she's in our group coaching. Even she runs the programming in, in the ladies only group coaching. Like she pays attention to calories, things like that. So I am fortunate that she always has options in the house that make sense. Like lots of fruits, lots of Greek yogurts, protein bars, all that kind of stuff. But I think that it's it's very important to, if you're on vacation or if you are traveling for a holiday or whatever it is, just to control the things that you can control. And for me, I know that that's going to be okay with snacking. Like I'm not just because I'm not at home. I'm not just going to go random on snacking and sit down with a bag of chips or, or eat a piece of cake or eat a piece of pie for every single one of my snacks. No, I'm going to keep those snacks high in protein. And I'm going to limit the snacks to maybe one to two snacks per day that are each going to have at least 30 ish grams of protein in each of those. And then the meals around that, just as you said, that I'm going to eat maybe. So when I'm traveling, I actually try to eat less than I do when I'm at home in regards to the amount of meals that I'm eating, because usually the meals that you'll eat will be more calorically dense. So at home, usually have roughly like three meals. When I'm traveling, I'll try to keep it to two meals. I'll usually skip breakfast. And if I do have a breakfast, it's just like a light snack, like a little bit of Greek yogurt or maybe a protein bar after a training session or something. And then for the meals. I just don't stress it. If we're having like my mom cooked a, a ham one night with mashed potatoes and different things like that. Well, okay. I'm just going to like load up on the ham, obviously, cause it's higher in protein. Like give myself a decent size of the mashed potatoes. I'm just going to stick to the one plate rule. Do I know like the exact calories to this? Do I know how much butter she put in the mashed potatoes? Do I know like all these little nuances that I typically would when I'm in my own environment? No, but I'm just essentially trying to live to fight another day. Essentially, give some sort of an effort and prioritize what I can, understanding that's not going to be perfect. But at the very least, this is most likely going to have me at least maintaining where I'm currently at so that when I get home, maybe I didn't make progress, but I certainly didn't necessarily lose progress. I can just continue from where I was. And that's what keeps momentum on your side in the long run, right? Just keeping yourself in a position to where you're giving a realistic effort for the environment that you're in. And when you're at home and in control of your structure and in your environment, like that realistic effort should be a high effort, right? You are controlling the variables. But when you're in positions where you can't control the variables, that just means doing what you can. If you don't know caloric intake, or you don't want to track, you want to take a little bit of a break from it. You can still practice good habits in regards to, okay, I'm going to stick to one plate. I'm not going to go back for seconds and thirds. I'm not going to load up on five dinner rolls. Maybe I'll have one to enjoy it because it's my mom's and it's homemade and I love it. I'll, I'll throw a dinner roll on there and I'll have some mashed potatoes, but I'll load up on the ham side of things because I know that's going to have the most protein in it and going to be the most filling to not leave me feeling more hungry to need more because I'm not looking at, at my macronutrients or the, the, foods and the portions that I'm I'm eating like with no regard. And so that's really all it comes down to for me at this point is just like understanding that, okay, like my time while I'm traveling and time during the holidays, I'm not going to stress so much over my nutrition that it kind of sabotages the holiday for me. And I'm stressed about that so much that I can't actually enjoy the time with the loved ones. Um, And at the same time, I'm not going to go completely overboard on the other sense to where like I eat anything and everything and feel stuffed because that leaves me feeling miserable and I don't actually get to enjoy that time as much as I could if I just went into it with more of a balanced approach. And I have not always been that way. There have been times where I've gotten into those types of situations where I was really really strict and counted every single macro and was a pain in the ass to to my mom, honestly, in regards to like, what's in this, what's in that, like, I got to track all this perfectly. And then there have been other times to where I've been really strict, and I go in and just say, screw it and go all in or all out, and completely sabotage while I'm there and eat everything and everything, anything, and then leave regretting the whole experience in the first place, and didn't actually get to really enjoy it, because I was stressed about what I was doing in that moment, and the the conflict that was going to lead to in the future. And so I do think it you kind of have to go through those experiences for most people of kind of living on or experiencing both ends of the extreme to find that balance and i think that that just comes down to experience and sticking with the process long enough to understand that if you did mess up on either one of those extremes that i ex- just explained in the last through this last thanksgiving it's not a success or a failure because of of what happened But you have to look at that as a lesson and a learning experience to be able to improve from moving forward. I think so many people get caught up in thinking of each scenario that you're in is, oh, I did really good or, oh, I did really bad. When in reality, they're just learning lessons for you to be able to take data, to take information from, to think to yourself and become aware, how can I improve this next time? What can I do differently that would leave me in a better position, maybe physically and mentally to be able to enjoy those times, but still keeps me in a position to where I'm living to fight another day so that as I get home and get back in control of my environment, I still have momentum on my side. And that doesn't mean that you have to be absolutely perfect, but it obviously doesn't mean that you have to completely sabotage and just go off of the rails and pay no attention to anything at the same time. And deep down, I do believe that most of us have an intuition that understand Like what, what makes sense in this scenario? I think a lot of us try to ignore that intuition and we get caught in these extremes on both sides of the brain, kind of down the middle, we have an intuition to know like, okay, maybe I'm not going to be perfect and track calories and be right on point. But like, what can I do here to control some of these variables that keeps me in that position to live, to fight another day. And you just have to continue to fight to find that version of yourself. And you're going to live on both ends of the extreme from time to time. And that's part of the learning experience that allows you to mold into that middle balance situation that allows you to be able to go and enjoy. But then as you're done and you're back home, you don't feel like you've regressed. Maybe you haven't progressed a lot, but you're in a position to, to move forward from where you were before that occasion happened. Does that make sense?
1: Hmm. I've always looked at events like this, kind of like holidays, vacations, special events, any of the above. To me, it kind of is like, um, I grew up an athlete, so like soccer track, stuff like that. And it's almost like starting like a new practice drill. Like when you first go into that practice drill, you kind of assume that you're going to mess it up to some extent, but then it's like you run through that same play over and over and over again, getting, let's say 5% more efficient. Each time that that play gets run through. And so, same thing with holidays, it's I, I tell my clients, like, you are probably going to leave the night and feel like something could have been better. And I'm like, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing because you can't change something that you're not aware of. So, like, you use this app as an opportunity to see, like, what do you want to change? So, like, if you've been doing this for the last, you know, four or five months and now, you're kind of through the summer, you're kind of through the fall, it's coming up on winter, and maybe like Thanksgiving, maybe Christmas will kind of be like your big testers. Expect that to some extent you're going to mess up. But then like every time you have a vacation, you have a birthday, you have a celebration, anything, you have that chance to improve by 5%. And each time you do that, you gain a new perspective. You learn to look at it a a, a bit of a different way And like, that's what really matters because you're going to have a whole lot more Christmases and birthdays and all these things. And it's just like that one day, that one week, you know, it's not going to make or break things. And it was funny. I was on a call last week with uh, the functional nutrition group with Sam. And he said, the reason like people fail, the reason that people fail to see progress during this time of year isn't because of like the holiday. It's because they turn it into a hollow month. Mm -hmm you know, it's, it's a day, it's a couple days, maybe like a weekend, just get back to routine, continue on, see what you wanted to kind of improve upon for next time. And just let that kind of push you and, you know, let that kind of just be the reason you kind of continue going forward. And it's like, okay, like, cool, that's something I could, you know, I get to work on and look at it as like, leveling up in a video game, like you're leveling up your physical character in life. And that's kind of what's always been cool to me is it's like, I literally think of this as like leveling up my skills as if like I'm a physical, like person in like a video game of like, Oh, like I can increase my strength. I can increase mental resilience and whatever kind of it might be. But yeah, I totally agree with you. Kind of what you're saying It's about like the whole, you know, give yourself grace, use it as like a learning opportunity and just, you know, move on and just kind of give yourself that time to spend with family and be present in the moment and just kind of go from there and, understand like the bigger picture of like what the holiday is about
0: yeah absolutely and just as you said i think people can misconstrue when you say leveling up to think like oh being for somebody who was like super off track or maybe binged or or whatever it may be they could look at leveling up as like having to be more perfect and be like more right on point if that makes sense but there's two sides to that leveling up especially in these types of scenarios is is for the person who went completely all out paid no attention to anything gave no real effort and just sabotaged leveling up would be like getting a little bit more on track and giving a better effort then on the other side of that there's also those who were right on point tedious with everything stressed with the whole occasion and just simply like kind of survived through it and stayed right on track leveling up for them could mean pulling back a little bit and allowing yourself to enjoy just a little bit more as well. And so there's two ends of that spectrum. And there is with, with everybody, whatever I'm making content or talking, like, I I know that we kind of work with two different types, styles of, of people. We, We work with people who really need changes to their habits to be able to improve their health. And then we also work with people who are so extreme in what they do and like created this mental fortitude that is like I'm on point with everything and I don't care how it affects the rest of my life because I'm going to control my fitness and my nutrition to the absolute T. And that's a, a form of self sabotage as well to the rest of your life. And you have to learn how to balance all of your buckets. There are different buckets to your life. There are relationships, There are there is your health, and then there is your financial side of, of your life as well. And you could add a fourth bucket being a spiritual side as well. But I, I think like to to be truly happy and like to feel truly present in moments and get the most out of your life you have to be able to find a balance to keep keep watering each of those buckets over the long term and i think if you get sometimes you'll be too far into one or two of those buckets and that's fine sometimes you need to do that but over the long term learning like okay like true happiness and fulfillment doesn't come down to just being right on point with my nutrition and my training all of the time or, or having a six-pack or being this certain amount of leanness if that's affecting the rest of your life well like you might feel great in this side but you're still going to feel empty in some form of a way or you're not going to be able to live a fully enhanced life and that's something that I really try to focus on for myself these days is okay am I giving am I watering all four of those buckets consistently? And if I'm not, generally something is off. And so just keeping that in mind, I think that's a a good way to end that, but let's hop into some questions. Good with that. All
1: right. I'm ready.
0: All right. So a couple of these questions are actually, I was listening to some podcasts over the last week as we were driving and um, they just popped into my head. So some of these are personal questions that I'm going to ask some curious of your um, take on them as well. We could have a little bit of different, differing views, which I'm all for. So let's, let's hop into the first one. What do you think of the word
1: cheat meal? I don't really think there's such a thing as like a cheat. Like, I don't know if I like the word cheat meal all that much, just because I don't know. Like, I don't think this whole, I don't think this whole journey is like something that you look at as like, oh, I did it totally correct or like, oh, I cheated. Like there isn't a test necessarily where it's like, oh, I failed. It's like, okay, it's one meal of like one day. Like what classifies a cheat meal? You know, and for one person, that could be soda. For one person, that could be bread. For another person, it could be, you know, fruit. Like some people see like the whole, you know, podcast three, four episodes back. It's like, is fruit bad? And it's just like, one, it's like, what do you even consider a cheat meal? And from there, what I've kind of, kind of come to a, come to a conclusion of with clients is, it's really majority of the time, like a meal that goes maybe like untracked. But I wouldn't even call that cheating because I do think that like you can work that in correctly and you can do it in a way that it's not like, it may feel like cheating, but it's like, I would argue that like having a meal here and there that like is untracked is just as important as the meals that are tracked just for the sake of your own like mental health. Like it's not cheating, it's being an actual human and like living life and not just being so like mentally bogged down of like, I can't have this, this, you know, this or this, because then it's like, that one bowl of ice cream that you would love to be enjoying, it's like, I should be enjoying this, but I'm so brought down because it's like a cheat meal. And it's like, who said it had to be a cheat meal? Like, what if you just fit those 300 calories into your macros? Is it, you know, is it still a cheat meal? And so that's kind of where my mind goes. It's like, I don't use the word cheat meal. I might say untracked meal. And it's like, that's okay. But I feel cheat just kind of like makes people think like, oh, I cheated. Like, I'm flunked out of school, like, you know, go back to what I was doing before. And it's, the journey isn't like that. Sure. So that's kind of where I'd leave it.
0: Yeah. I would agree with everything that you said, but one thing that I've noticed just in the industry, definitely in probably the last two years, maybe two to three years is I do feel like there's this side of the industry, especially with coaching as well, that has gone a bit soft. And caters so hard to the – they think that everybody has an eating disorder. Like that's been a huge thing that's come up and I'm not disregarding people who do have eating disorders because I know that's a very serious issue. I believe like at one point I had a minor eating disorder um, that affected my life. Pretty greatly and my mental health for some time. And I, I know that those things are real and I know that they do happen. I know a lot of people suffer with them. And there could be somebody who's listening to this episode today who has issues with those. But I think that we have gotten so aware and so worried. And like everybody today thinks that they have an eating disorder. Like if you track macros, like there, like there's a big push now that you shouldn't even be tracking anymore Mm -hmm. because associating numbers with food is automatically going to lead to you having an eating disorder when in reality, like, sure, there is a minor part of the population that that can absolutely happen to, and you can run into those conflicts. Mm -hmm. But I would argue for 95% of people learning to track your food and like counting it and looking at it, the vast majority of people who I have do that look back and who had never done it before, like, man, I learned so much. Like I, like I learned so much about like how much I was eating before, like what's actually in food um, and like how much I should actually be eating. I've learned so much more about portion control and like me saying, oh, I didn't feel like I ate much when I came in to work with you. Like I realized I was just, maybe I wasn't eating a lot, but I was eating the wrong things. And so tracking is a tool that leads to such an education. And I see this big push and that comes back even to, to cheat meals. And it's kind of like, in my opinion, like I understand completely what you're saying and I agree with it. I don't think that like you have to necessarily think that like you're cheating on your diet or doing something bad. But I also think there's a sentiment of it that like sometimes we put too much power into words as well. Because when I say, Mm -hmm. when I say cheat meal, like it just means a meal that I didn't track. I can say cheat meal and not feel bad about having that meal or not feeling like I necessarily Cheated, but it's just a meal that I had that I enjoyed that was when I'm in a deficit phase, I have a cheat meal every single Sunday. And that cheat, it's usually sushi. It's more of a refeed, right? It's like it's sushi, high carb, it's it's Greek yogurt, it's something I don't track. And I can look at that as and say cheat meal without like totally blowing up my brain or being like, oh man, I did something that's so bad. And so I agree with you. And I think that there for certain people, like there is that condemnation of like, oh cheat meal can relate to being bad, but I think we don't give people enough credit or like think that nobody has any mental resilience to be able to just look at that word for what it is. And if you have like once a week, okay, I'm going to have a a cheat meal on Sundays. If you want to call that an untracked meal or a cheat meal or whatever you want to call it, as long as you know the purpose behind it and like you have an education behind yourself, I don't think it's this thing that needs to be like, avoided or completely changed almost into like this wokeism thing of like, oh, I can say certain things. I shouldn't say certain things because it's triggering for particular people. Does that make sense? And like, Mm -hmm. there's obviously more extremes with that, but I think that we're just like, as a culture taking that, we're taking it to the extreme with everything. uh, And even into nutrition, like we're kind of going into this, like, woke culture with nutrition in a lot of ways, I believe as well, that I don't think benefits society as a whole. And of course, there are those certain segregations of people that you have to be mindful of. But like, for me, I'm not posting and I'm not like trying to coach people with eating disorders or in like those serious types of situations that that's out of my realm. That's out of my scope, right? That's for therapists and, and people like that. And there's that section, but I think for the everyday person, I just don't see it being as big of a deal as what some people in the industry are trying to push it towards today.
1: Correct. And I think a lot of it could be solved as far as like the industry goes Like if you gathered 10 different coaches and like, let's say hypothetically, they all had 10 differing opinions on like, is a cheat meal good? Like, is it bad? Majority of us, like 90 plus percent would probably be on the same side. Yeah. If we just clearly define like, what do you consider a cheat meal? Which is like, you may consider a cheat meal. Like one thing, like maybe some people over Thanksgiving consider that a cheat meal. It's like, I wouldn't really consider things a cheat meal, but it's like someone else might. And so if we're trying to like debate of like who's right, who's wrong, and we have two totally diff- different mindsets of like what we're arguing about, sure. we're going to keep spinning our wheels over and over and over again. But I think that's one part of it. And like definitely on your end, and I probably have, I don't say like an issue with this, but I definitely like do notice myself kind of falling down that trap sometimes of like trying to be, too much of a people pleaser like when i coach and kind of being like "Ah, it's okay but there are definitely times to where like if you're gonna set intentions for yourself and like you're gonna set goals and like let's say you say like i'm gonna have you know one on track meal this week and all of a sudden that turns into three then like yeah you kind of are cheating on your plan you know and like there's no kind of getting around that whether you want to call it like cheating or going around it whatever but like we kind of understand what we're saying here where it's like you're going off your plan and you're only going to keep pushing yourself further and further and further. And you can be as nice as you want about it, but it doesn't change the fact that like something needs to change.
0: I agree. I agree 100%. I just see many people like deeming these particular words that have used been used for decades as
1: you can't use the word diet. Dieting, yeah. The word is bad. It's like, yeah, a diet is simply what you eat in a day. Like it has no meaning until you put a meaning into it.
0: Yeah, like there's always going to be these certain subsets of people with whatever you do that like what works for the majority may cause harm to some. And that's an unfortunate reality of the world that we live in, right? Like I've worked with people who like tracking their, their caloric intake, tracking their protein, putting numbers to their food, it just clicks and it works and they learn and they, it transforms their life. I just had a conversation with a, a old client today on Instagram. Cause she posted something talking about, um, about like how she's eating today and everything that she learned from us working together. And that was through tracking. And today, like she's thriving from the mental position that she was in before we worked together compared to where she's at today and the knowledge that she has in the body composition that she's been able to sustain over the last three to four years since we worked together, like that all came from tracking, you know what I mean? And then there's, there's somebody else who could have tracked that leads them down um, a terrible terrible rabbit hole of obsession and it completely controlling them and leaving, leading to sabotage and leading to binging. But I would say there's a much higher percentage that it's going to benefit than there is of those who it is going to harm. And I think that a lot of that comes back to people being self-aware enough within themselves to understand themselves and their own particular situations, as opposed to like, deeming coaches or somebody somebody trying to educate or bring knowledge around particular subjects that is going to help the vast majority of people out there and it may it may not work for some but like from a a majority basis like it's going to help more than it is going to to not and much more 90 to 95 percent to five to ten percent like i just think i don't know i just think we've gone so far to just catering to that small percentage that then you're not able to help as many that leads to a regression as opposed to a a progression, if that makes sense.
1: Mm -hmm. And for myself and like for my clients, and I'm sure you explained explained it the same way to your clients, but literally like the only reason that we macro track is to get a set of numbers. It's to have data to work with, just like if you are trying to improve your overall finances. Like you kind of need to know how much you're spending, how much you know you're making each month. You have to know. You have to to know know. if you can't change. If you're trying to get out of debt and your financial advisor is just like, well. Just spend kind of freely, like see how you feel. Oh, are you feeling sad today? Go to Gucci, go buy that new purse, you know, go buy the new shoes. You deserve it. It's like, that's kind of how some people think with nutrition. It's like, oh, you know, like I have all these goals I want to hit, you know, I want to lose this weight. But then it's like, oh, but I don't want any data to work with. And it's like, if you're not taking, if you're not weighing in, if you're not doing measurements, if you're not doing progress pictures, if you have no idea where your intake's at, it's like, what are we really supposed to work with here? And that's kind of like, well, how are you feeling? And it's like some people, yeah, can absolutely see progress, but when you realize it's just like, you're measuring this to have something to work from, it's like, oh, I'm not doing, like you tracking your finances doesn't make you obsessed with finances. It doesn't make you have an unhealthy relationship. In fact, I'd say most people would say, you should track your finances. Same reason we say, like, we think you should track your food, to make sure, like, are you getting the nutrients that you need? You know, are you helping to prevent cardiovascular disease? Like, you know, brain degeneration, like there's all these things. And it's like, I mean, that's what nutrients are for. Like, that's what food is for. It's to like, kind of help our bodies recover and function the way they're supposed to. And it's, when you look at it that way, it's like, oh, it doesn't need to be obsessive.
0: Yeah. And I think that you have to understand that, just like tracking your budget, right? It's a tool to gain control over the variables that happen to help you be able to build better skills within your spending habits to be able to get out of debt or whatever that is. I would argue there, there are some very type A people who probably track their budgets to a T forever, but you can also track your budget accordingly for maybe one to two years to be able to better and build better skills inside of your spending habits and what's going Going in compared to what's going out so that you get to a position to where you can eventually just rely on those skills that you've built from tracking your budget for so long that you've built these spending skills that make sense for the income that you have to keep yourself in a better balance. And it works the exact same way with your nutrition, right? You track for long enough to understand portion control, to understand different foods and how they're going to affect your overall caloric intake and, and which foods have more protein in them compared to others and which foods have a good amount of protein, but they're also super high in fat. So the Chlorine intake goes way up. Like You start to learn all of this different stuff that you need to be able to do. So long-term, the goal isn't to have to be so tedious with tracking forever, but to use it as a tool in your day-to-day for a long enough time to build up the skills necessary to be able to eventually rely on the skills that you built from tracking without actually having to use the tracking to be able to sustain and improve your health and longevity over the long run. And I just think people get they miss the, the forest for the trees sometimes when it comes to that kind of stuff. And I, there, there's a shift now that I see, like, it, it seems like the industry in some ways is reverting. Like I see coaches instead of tracking now it's, it's like, I don't know if they realize that they're doing it, but now they're just promoting more of like, uh, eating clean again. And it's interesting because the industry evolved, like revolves over time. We like, it just like different hype things come back from time to time. It used to be clean eating back in the, the early 2000s before macros were really like a, a popular thing. And that's kind of what it seems like we're reverting back to. It's like, well, oh no, don't track. Just like eat things that are good for your body. Well, okay. What does that mean? Like, So I just need to eat chicken breast, rice, and, and vegetables, and sweet potatoes, and maybe a little bit of steak here and there. But then like what tracking does is allows you to find balance and understand how to eat an array of all foods and have some junk foods in there, maybe some processed stuff and still be able to stay on track. But if you're in the mindset of, okay, I don't want to track. That's bad. I'm just going to eat clean. Well, that's going to lead to a certain type of mindset as well right? for people that can lead to disordered eating just as easily as tracking can in regards to, well, if you have a hamburger that feels like you got off track and like you don't know how to be able to navigate that. And so then you can self-sabotage and be like, oh, well, I just screwed everything up because I had a hamburger. But in reality, if you have a little bit of a deeper knowledge, you can understand like, well, oh, that that hamburger, hamburger can actually fit in and I can still get healthier and even lose weight by including that hamburger into my diet one or two times per week, if that's something that I really enjoy. And so it's just interesting. Like I see this pendulum swing happening and it's just like, it just kind of gets my my brain going. And and like this far, me being in the industry this far, like roughly 10 years at this point coaching, um, it's just interesting to see that swing happening and like sit back and see it from a different lens than than I once did.
1: Would you say that like looking back at your years in the industry, have you seen more people get an unhealthy relationship with food from macro tracking or just being told to like, go home and like eat cleanly?
0: Oh yeah. From, I've seen a much worse relationship from food come from clean eating, paleo diets, keto diets, um, weight watchers, meal plans. I, I've You tend to end up in a much worse situation when you put yourself in this small frame of thinking when it comes to food of, I can eat this and I can't eat that, right? Because when you tell yourself, I can have this and I can't have that, the brain automatically wants that thing that you're saying that you can't have 10 times more. And you can fight that for a certain amount of time, right? You can say no, no, and be disciplined and disciplined, but decision fatigue is a real thing. The longer you have to tell yourself, no, the harder it becomes to continue telling yourself no until you're finally like F this. I'm just going to like, I'm going to, I'm going to have the fruit, right? Uh, I'm going to have the, not the fruit, but you know what I'm saying? I'm going to have whatever that thing is like, screw this. Like I'm sick of having to be so on point. I feel so restrained. Like I need to burst this bubble. And The thing about tracking is that it and why it works so well and why I think it should be the foundation for most, maybe not for everybody, but for most is it allows you to take away that good and bad label when it comes to what you're eating and allows you to be able to live with more freedom. But at the end of the day, there's always going to be a restriction when it comes to being healthy. Like there is going to be a restriction with you bettering your health in some form of a way with tracking that restriction doesn't come from, you have to eat this and you have to eat that. It comes from, well, you're like, just realistically, scientifically speaking, this is the amount of calories you can eat per day for you to get to that goal. And so obviously like filling that with a lot of high volume, lower calorie, whole foods that are more filling makes sense, but you can still include a little bit of this other stuff so that you don't feel like you're completely sabotaged from it and restricted to where like it's bad or it's something that you can't have. And so there's always going to be a restriction at the end of the day. And I think that that's where eating disorders can come from is there is a restriction, right? Like in certain ways, that's where it can kind of start to mess with our minds, but that's the harsh reality of life is like to live a, a fulfilled life that gets you to your your best self, there's gonna be some form of restriction with that in some form of a way with with whatever subject you wanna talk about when it comes to that, right? And so I think it just comes down to being realistic about that when it comes to life in general and then using the tools within inside of that that allow you to have as much freedom as possible that still keeps you in line with where you're trying to go.
1: Proper expectations. Yeah. I think that's the key word there, proper expectations. If you come in looking at it a certain way, your mind can definitely make it appear that way, regardless of kind of like what, you know, but yeah, it's just understanding kind of the bigger picture and what the long-term actually, you know, long-term goal actually is. And yeah, I mean, I think that kind of covers, we're still on the cheat meal question, right?
0: Yeah, that started yeah. with meal. <laughs>
1: I'll say it went from like the cheat meal. I'm like, are we still on the cheat meal question? Yeah. I, know, I know we kind of wandered, but yeah, I think that kind of covers total thoughts of like even like deeper nuances of like, what is a cheat meal? Like, should I use it? Like, is it right? Is it wrong? Like, how do you kind of work it in? You know, should I track it? Should I not track it? I think that was kind of somewhat covered throughout the entire kind of answer of that question.
0: Yeah, if you want to call it a cheat mill and it doesn't like lead you to self sabotage, I think that it's completely fine. If if you do better, calling it a free mill, I think that that works as well. I just don't think that there needs to be this such negative condensation on on everything that we're saying. But let's hop into one more question, um, okay. a real quick one to to finish this off. Is it okay to do my cardio before I lift weights? My goal is fat loss. So I feel the cardio should come first.
1: I'm going to say you're thinking about it wrong. If you're asking this question and that probably came off ruder than I intended it to come off, but you could be rude. (laughs) Cardio and training are not meant to be used as like your main drivers of fat loss. And I'm going to assume here that like the main goal is to kind of have like a lean, defined, shape, toned, whatever kind of you want to call it. You want to have less body fat and you want to have some muscle showing on your body. Assuming that's the goal, you're going to want to put your training first. So that's prioritized. Fit in your cardio either at a different time during the day, or after the session, because that's just kind of more so going to help. Like, yes, it will help burn calories, but cardio doesn't burn quite the amount of calories that like, you think it does, especially in like helping to propel fat loss. And what you want to do is lower your calories to a point to where you're in a deficit, but to where you're still able to like, properly recover. And then from there, Do your training first, do your cardio after, and then that's kind of, that's kind of it. You know, just what's your priority? Is it cardio? Is it strength? If you want to do the cardio first, by all means, like go for it. But like, then cardio is going to get a bigger kind of benefit. If you put the training first, the strength's going to kind of get a bigger benefit than the cardio. And that's kind of the way that I think about it.
0: Yeah, I agree 100%. I think whenever somebody asks me this question, my question always back to them is, "Well, are you are you more worried about getting better at running or having a better cardiovascular system or are you like is that your priority and and what you want to be better at or are you more worried about building and sustaining lean muscle tissue as you lose body fat so that you have more of that toned or defined look as you continue to lose body fat?" And 9 out of 10 times people are doing all of this because of the um, the looks that they're going to get from it, right? Like most people, like it's kind of vain. A lot of people train, start out training and are in this journey because they want their bodies to look better. Well, at the end of the day, your body's not going to look better from doing cardio. It's going to look better from training, building lean muscle tissue, getting stronger, sustaining lean muscle tissue while you lose fat. So if you're a runner and that's what you're prioritizing and you're like getting ready for a marathon or like a half marathon or like something competitively, that's what you thrive at. And that's what you want to get better at do your cardio first. I wouldn't call it even cardio at that point. I would say do your training first because you're training to get better at cardio. Like it's still a a training component. If that is your main goal, like that should come first because that's where you're going to have the most energy and you're going to be able to perform the best out of it and get the, the best adaptation from it. Then you'd put your lifting after because that's secondary. But if that's the goal, your body composition change isn't actually your goal you have to define what your actual goal is first. If your goal is body composition change, to lose body fat, to sustain lean muscle tissue, first you have to understand that that cardio that you're doing is not the main driver of fat loss in the first place. The main driver is going to come down to your nutrition, actually being in a deficit that you can supplement with some cardio if you need to, if you want to lose fat at a little bit of a quicker rate with a bigger deficit, or if you've plateaued and you, you don't want to drop calories any further, you can add a little bit of cardio in at that point to supplement a higher expenditure of calories on a day basis, which will create a bigger deficit to keep you losing potentially. But at the end of the day, your are lifting when your goal is fat loss should be the priority because as you're in a deficit, if you're lifting weights, that's going to help you sustain lean muscle tissue so that as you drop weight from your deficit you're actually focused mainly you're you're forcing your body to mainly mostly lose body fat and not risk necessarily losing any lean muscle tissue throughout that process as well so if your main goal is fat loss like you mentioned in your question then your training should come first and your cardio should come after if your main goal is to just like get a better a better cardiovascular system and you want to be able to run for longer and that's what you're prioritizing, then do the cardio or the, I would call it training at that point first, because you're training to get better at it, do that first and put the weightlifting after. And so you have to be able to, I see a lot of people do this. They don't understand the mechanisms behind, like at the core of that question is they, they truly don't understand the mechanism of fat loss, right? Because they're correlating, their cardio is to what's creating the fat loss, not necessarily the training, but really the nutrition is controlling the fat loss. The training will help them hold on to lean muscle tissue as well as burn some calories. And then the cardio come come after because you don't need to be fully energized and need to improve that cardio a ton to be able to get through it, to burn the calories that can potentially help aid in the fat loss only if the nutrition is on point. And so just understanding how you need to be prioritizing things and understand that hierarchy of fat loss and the role that cardio actually plays, which is just a way to supplement a higher caloric expenditure. Um, I think you're going to remain confused until you understand that. And so getting that basic understanding first is a big key that will allow you to not be one, like kind of, again, missing the forest for the trees in regards to what you're trying to do.
1: I think we could just like take this whole podcast and just kind of conclude that as long as you are setting like the proper expectations and like thinking ahead versus it's kind of being like proactive, thinking about things day to day, it's kind of hard to like mess things up. Like a lot of things can be yeah cleared up quite a bit. If you just ask yourself, like, what am I really trying to get out of this? And how do I want to feel at the end of the week, you know, at the end of the month, what kind of changes would I like to see physically and mentally, you know, as these months pass by and through you know, the next few years. And that's kind of just a big thing that goes into any question is like, you know, what do you expect out of this? Like, what are your goals? And, you know, where do you kind of want to see things go? And a lot of people I find haven't actually answered that themselves. They don't really know where they want to go. They know they want to be healthier. They know they want to lose weight. But as far as like deeper meaning, that's not always there. And that can kind of create a lot of confusion It's kind of feel like things are messed up because it's like, well, you don't even really know like what you're expecting.
0: I think that's a perfect place to end it. If any of you guys have questions down below, there is a link com backslash podcast. Go leave your questions there. If you have anything from this episode and I'm more than happy to get back to you and I'll bring some of those questions onto the podcast if I feel like they're relevant to others. So we appreciate you guys. All of Alex's information is linked down below as well. You can follow him. You can follow me on different social media outlets. You'll find Alex on IG, my TikTok, Instagram is down there as well. So we appreciate y'all for listening. Hopefully you have an amazing day and we'll chat with you soon.